I'm Chai Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm directed to the fifth element where I highlight the fifth element hip hop, which is knowledge. Some think I'm clever, others think I'm the one who makes too many references to weather. Or not. Think it. does make too many references to weather i mean i thought it was always just kind of like just on the names of the albums yeah like who was much who was criticizing him for that like that's just like part of the appeal hello oh you're too too conceptual (laughs) too we don't want a concept we just just rap (laughs) okay cool what you british fuck why are you talking about the weather so much hi ben how's your week been what have you listened to this week I had a pretty trash week, but I did get into quite a lot of music. So firstly, More Mother Jazz Codes. This is a really beautiful album. Uh, the, there's so many instruments on this record. There is so much to unpack. There's so much to sit with. It just unfolds so beautifully. Uh, Charlie asked me when I first listened to them, and I'm pretty sure 2018, 2019, but never like fully engaged in a project, like never sat down and consumed it. And I put it on last night in the headphones while I was just sitting down and relaxing. And uh, the sounds on this record, you know, the vocals are used as an instrument a lot of the time. And so you can kind of get drawn out of the fact that the lyrical content is quite dense and it's uh, it's quite topical, it's quite important, it's, it's, very, it's very powerful. Man, it's just such a brilliant project. It is such a lovely listen. It's such a warm listen. But at the same time, it's almost like you can pick your own adventure with this record. You can listen in whatever way you want. You could just put the headphones on, you can lie on your back with your head on the pillow and just zone out. Or you can really dissect it. You can listen to it mindfully and listen to the way the different instruments come in and fade away, the way that the vocals are used. Uh, You can engage with the lyrical content and have some kind of intellectual discourse within yourself about it. It's one of the best albums I've heard this year by a long margin, and it's just brilliant. It is really brilliant. I really want to analyze it from... uh, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to do a full analysis of every instrument that is used on this record and how long it's there for and because i think it's you know obviously it's called jazz codes and the uh, final track's talking about not the death of jazz but the withdrawal of jazz from the mainstream and what can be done to bring it back into the mainstream and i you know we've spoken about it on this podcast before we don't know yeah. i certainly okay. don't know what what's going on with jazz right now because this this is this, great, bro. this is in- say sorry going great yeah, it's wild, right? But this is a brilliant. This this is the kind of project that's going to bring it back. I think this is the kind of project people will look at and be like, "Oh man, like this was the start of something." I mean, we all talk about TPAB, of course. We talk about that kind of stuff, but that movement needs to be picked up by everyone. That movement needs to be picked up in the underground. Like what I'm listening to in the underground right now is boom bap and stuff that sounds like yeet. That's all I'm hearing right now. I'm just hearing like Griselda and Yeet in the underground. I'm not hearing a lot of jazz rap. And so it's really good. It's really, it's it's a lovely project. It's it's brilliant in scope. And I also love it when an underground uh, independent artist 
put so much time and effort and energy into creating a project that's just so perfectly, you know, the mixing's perfect, everything's quantized perfectly. You can see there's no rough edges on this. They took care and time and energy and put effort into this. And uh, man, one of the best albums this year. Paige Kennedy, front page. I didn't really like this record because it's too much sex talk, man. It's too much sex talk. It was just, it wasn't for me. I just kept getting drawn out give me of the give, me, the... give me some, give me some sex talk. From the album? Yeah, give me, give me a couple. No, I'd have to. I, look, man, I just disengaged. I gave you some sex talk last week with, no, it was Capadonna, the week with Capadonna. <laughs> what did he say? Something ben, horrible. I feed off this shit, right? It's funny. It I is feed funny. Off this. The problem with cringe sex bars. The problem with evidence is he doesn't he doesn't use the cringe bar sex bars too often. So you know, but yeah, man, look, the Page Kennedy record. I was thinking Page Kennedy record would be more like the next record and the one after. I was listening to Crime Apple and DJ Skiz, uh, Breakfast. That that album is just brilliant. The lyricism on that record from Crime Apple, and just the aesthetic that he's uh, rapping over. And it's not easy to rap in this genre right now. It really isn't. I know that people are thinking like, oh yeah. Just put some boom bat beats and just like be a lyrical, miracle, spiritual genius. But like there are so, it's such an oversaturated market right now. In order to like, you know, uh, distinguish yourself within that market, it's very difficult. Crime Apple is one of the best doing it right now. Planet Asia is as well. Medallion's Monarchy. I really like that project. Can fully recommend. Again, same same energy, same kind of energy as Paige Kennedy as well. Um, then we get The Lion, Berries, Volume 1. Now, this is a mixtape of a bunch of songs that he's been releasing lately. And he's been releasing a Lucy every week, pretty much. I think every Thursday. Must be for about a year now. I think he's about 350,000 uh, Spotify monthly listeners. And when I was talking to him about a year ago, he was at 200,000 monthly listeners. And he was just like, how do I get to the next level? Like, how do I get to 500,000? How do I get to a million? And we were like brainstorming what to do. And he came up with this idea of just dropping a single pretty much every Thursday. And it's it's paid off absolutely. And so Berry's Volume 1 is a collection of those. And uh, man, this guy is one of the most versatile MCs in the game right now. There's singing, there's some punk rock on here, there's some alt rock, there's some fast rapping, there's uh, some like uplifting pump your fist anthems. It's just, and it's all brilliantly done. He does all his mixing by himself records it, uh, produces it all in his own studios. He's a completely self-contained artist. And when you listen to this record, you just be like, wait, what? Like he does this all himself on the on the cheap? Like he doesn't go into a studio? It's, it's insane. It's it's brilliantly done. Uh, Sad Frosty, Sandbox, posthumous album from Sad Frosty, Rest in Peace. Uh, this album is raw as fuck. You know, this does not sound like your typical posthumous album where there's clips that have been kind of mashed together and they brought on a bunch of guest spots to try and pad out the track list. Absolutely not. This feels like a genuine LP and it's tough to listen to knowing, you know, that, that Sad Frosty has passed away. It's But it's a great project. It really is good. It's just in that, again, that kind of energetic, like, uh, I I think, and I, I, people, don't, people don't say this because it's probably not cool to say, but... There's like this punk angle to hip hop right now. And I think it started with the SoundCloud era where artists were like mixing their vocals terribly and just rapping over like wild industrial electronic stuff. And that's the kind of energy I'm getting from artists like Sad Frosty. It's just like this punk, like raw expression. 
And look, man, it's, it's a good project. It's going to hit you in the face. It's going to hit you in the face hard. And finally, Lil B. Lil B dropped a project, Frozen. And I was thinking about last night while I was listening to it. I was like, why do I still listen to Lil B? Lil B is the same, man. Lil B has not changed one iota. He has just stayed the same for like 16 years. It's unbelievable. And, you know, referencing himself in the third person, you know, talking about sleeping with other people's women. But he just... It, I, what I was thinking of is like, it was never a gimmick for Little B. Like it is a gimmick. It's it's humorous. It's comedy, but he's so committed to this. It's just his whole artistic aesthetic is the same. It, it continues to be the same. He never tried to create. You know, we talked about I'm gay on this record. Uh, sorry, on this podcast, and that was his like, that was his most intellectual expression that was him flexing his artistic muscles and saying look i can create something genuinely changing and genuinely brilliant and incredible and then he just went back to doing this and uh frozen is just the same it's the same kind of little b and i love it i love it to death it's it, you put it on it takes you out of the moment for an hour or usually it's like three hours because little b tapes go forever but yeah man like if you're not into little b do not go to this project. This is not going to be for you, not at all. But if you love Lil B, this is for you, totally for you. So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? I feel like you could say that for most artists. Like, if you like this artist, you'll find it. Well, I mean, look, I think that you know, it's it's a <laughs> rare and, and that. that no, it's a good point because it's a rare artist who continually changes. I mean, you're looking behind me, you can see Tyler on my wall. That's an artist that if you you know, if we reviewed Flower Boy, I wouldn't say you know, if you like Tyler, you'll like Flower Boy. I'd be like. I don't know if you're going to fucking like this, but most yeah. artists, I mean, everyone on this list, they all make music that, you know, it's in the same kind of lane. So, you know, and evidence is a good example of that. Like if I were to say to someone that Unlearning Volume 1, you wouldn't say to them, don't listen to this album because it's not like his other albums. You'd just say, yes, it's an evidence album, you know? Sure, sure. No, no, I get what you mean, but yeah, good yeah. point to make uh, regardless of that. Um, so yeah, going to a few. Um, start off with uh, Mwanji. Uh, spelled M W A N J E. Um, sister, younger sister of uh, one Sampa the Great, and mm. uh, also does um, backing vocals for her. Seeing uh, when she does live performances. Cool. Um, I, I thought, yeah, I peeped her. I peeped her um, Sampa's Grasmu performance, and I was just really enjoying it. Um, and I feel like her new album that's coming out soon um has it's just i mean the single is kind of like a a, a love letter to zam rock uh, which is a uh, zambia uh rock i think based in the 70s and um yeah Mwanji comes through with the, she has her ep uh, and it's came out in april uh it's called seasons and uh yes yeah, has a lc sample on uh, wild ones as well which is nice um but yeah i think it has this really she just has a really really just good voice and just really good vocals and it comes across as like um, you know, five uh, vocal vignettes is how I like to describe them. Um, there's no r- much rhyme or reason towards it as I was listening to it, but it was just really good vocals and just really nice to listen to. It's just really smooth, really uh, goes down real nice. So uh, shout out to Mwenji on that front and uh, the whole crew uh, on that front. Uh, King Yans, friend of 5e, King Yangs, King, King Yans, God, I can't pronounce shit today, uh, out of order. Um, so... Yeah, this is a very, very varied project. I will say that for sure. Uh, you get you start off with uh, literally called "Sing About Me," aka Kendrick, and you can see how that vibe goes about. 
Um, but you know, you have some R&B carts, you have some drill carts, you have some rap carts. So you know, there's some real, there's some real variety here. So I'm, I'm, I'm very here for that. I would say uh, Yams does really good on uh, drill beats, especially. I feel like um, he's done that before, um, so I feel like he's very comfortable with that. And it's clear when you when you contrast that with other tracks that he where he's trying something new, you can see where the com- where he's you know taking himself out of his own comfort zone, um, just live and direct basically. So yeah, man, shout out to Yans on that front. I might uh, link up with him uh, to do a re- recap interview from a from a few years ago. Um, uh, Big Ghost Limited and Conway the Machine always been blessed, cannot be cursed. I mean, literally the point that you were making really. <laughs> You like big ghost beats? Do you like Conway? You're good. <laughs> you, you are completely fine. Um, shout out to Jay Skis on a Sunday sermon. I feel like a really bossed out one. Scared to death. Uh, got Method Man on there. Real, real nice, uh, real nice verse on that one. Uh, but yeah, man, just uh, can't. Yeah, you know, 30, 35 minutes, ten tracks. I mean, what, what, what? What more do you want? What more do you want? And uh, lastly, more of the jazz codes. Um, I feel like uh, I remember listening to a. Uh, one from last year, uh, September, uh, Black Inside Encyclopedia of the Air, and how uh, just it, this one comes across so much warmer in a lot of ways. It still has abs- it's very it's still very abstract, um, you know, in 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 a in her uh, usual artistry. You know, a lot of the word, a lot of the a lot of the vocals. Um, goes over your head, um, partly because the instrumentation is so uh, so different and vibrant and dynamic, and you're just trying to keep up. It's, you know, she's always one of those artists that deserves several listens. Um, if you you know if you if you are motivated to do so, obviously. Um, but once I can imagine, once you uh, dive into it and uh, really. Uh, Get get your knee get get knees deep into her work. I feel like you get just so much more, uh, so much more from it. Uh, you have uh, Achilles uh, Navarro, uh, Black Quantum Futurism, uh, Kier Nuringer, uh, Akai Solo, uh, Young Morpheus, and obviously Irreversible Entanglements on the last track as well. And that's just the names I've heard of. Um, but yeah, there's some just some really good stuff here. Features all over the place, um, and uh, for good reason. Uh, most of them obviously from an in, uh, instrumentation standpoint um, but yeah just a really uh, really nice different project and I mean just always it's always nice to have something very alternative and uh, yeah there's nobody doing it like uh, more mother um, thoroughly enjoyed seeing her live by the way um, just her in Inversible Entanglement it's a really good show um, yeah that was shout to the shout to the EFG uh, London Jazz Festival and uh, with that said, we shall hop on to our topic for this episode. And it's a retrospective, since we did uh, Dilate Peoples last week. It seemed pretty simple, <laughs> since, uh, since since Ben was already knee, uh, neck deep in uh, DP law. Um, might as well just uh, hop on and uh, just see what evidence is saying uh, pertaining to his uh, solo career. And uh, that's what we're going to get into. Um, I did say... Uh, um, last week that it's kind of, I mean we, we agreed on this opinion when it was like you know there's 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 deep there's DP evidence and then there's solo evidence in the same way that there is solo Elzai and then there's Slum Village Elzai and while I still agree with that point I feel like it's probably a little less overt when it comes to evidence partly because of just the fact that you know um he 
uh, at the back end of uh, DP's um, discography, he started to produce a lot of the work. And from that standpoint, there's a lot of connective tissue there. So it's, I think it's very, very easy um, from a uh, just a you know simple listening standpoint, just put it on and play. Um, it's easy to just transfer yourself from something like DP to Evidence and... Uh, and especially his early work as well. But, um, you know, once you get later on, which we obviously will, um, it, he starts to, I think, separate himself as a solo artist and also as a as a voice and as a lyricist as well in terms of his subject matter and everything else. But we'll get that, we will get to that when we get to that. Ben, what have you got for us on the story front? Mm. Evidence is a really interesting mm. artist. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to, like, clear the peanut butter. That, that, that um, toast. Mm. Mm. And love peanut butter on toast, man. That toast hitting. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it is like half six in the morning, and I'm, I woke up 20 minutes ago. So that toast in that coffee, man, it's just hitting hard. But, uh, evidence interviews. You kind of be forgiven for thinking he lucked his way into the music game. Uh, by chance, he just happened to move next to Quincy Jones's son in the early 1990s, and he said he would stay up late listening through his back wall to ridiculously loud music stopping and starting in QD3's house. And he said at this stage of his life, he had no concept of how music was made. He didn't understand the role of the producer, despite the fact he said he'd actually been listening to music and understanding its gravity since the age of five. So one afternoon, he and his friends were behind his house practicing the art of graffiti, which he was very adept at, um, along with baseball, skateboarding, jujitsu, producing, rapping, smoking weed, pretty much anything he tries his hand at, he's very good at. Uh, QD3 came out to admire their handiwork and actually invited them into his studio where he was working on the score to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which is such a trip. Like, you think about it, like, that's just serendipitous. And that was it for evidence. He actually told No Jumper he would love going into that studio, like, drinking, smoking weed, watching artists like Everlast and Too Short coming through to record, and that was it for him, man. And that begins the musical journey of evidence. But I actually want to keep this episode a little bit more existential than our usual retrospectives, because I think Ev is a fascinating study in the art of creativity and adaptability. He said that growing up in Venice Beach before it was gentrified was absolutely no joke. He said skateboarders fought each other, surfers fought each other. He said it was actually quite a dangerous environment to navigate. And his trick was to stay respectful and understanding of everyone he encountered and to observe and to learn. Now, he credits Rocco with uh, most of his early development. He said his future group member took him under his wing before dilated peoples and taught him the ways of the world and the places they both existed. There is, of course, Evidence's relationship with Alchemist. They met in the eighth grade, and Alchemist actually blew up first as a member of the Hooligans after Evidence introduced them to QD3, who helped them, the Hooligans, work on a demo. Now, they joined Soul Assassin's collective with Cypress Hill and House of Pain, and they actually ended up touring the country, picking up a record deal with Tommy Boy. So, you know, Evidence sings Alchemist's praises. I've ne- I haven't seen any interview anywhere where there's any kind of bitterness bitterness or disappointment uh, when he speaks of Alchemist's swift glow-up in comparison to Dilated People's very, very slow burn. I mean, if you look at it, Dilated People's were not touring the country in the early 90s. They didn't even have a record out. They recorded their demo with QD3 and they were working on that shelved album, but they didn't drop their debut until 2000. And they started touring extensively in like the late 90s. So, you know, Hooligans and Alchemists, they blew up really, really quickly. And throughout the 90s, Evidence describes himself as a fair-weather rapper, someone who kind of only sounded like the rappers he was admiring at the time. 
and he felt that he was unable to carve himself out a coherent message or energy or voice or tone. And this is kind of reflected, I think, in how he bounced around hobbies as a youth. He was apparently a fearsome pitcher in baseball, he told No Jumper. He said uh, he would uh, pitch a curveball, but you weren't actually meant to pitch curveballs when you were that young because the way that he said the way you snap your arm, it actually fucks your elbow really badly. But he did it anyway because his coach told him he should. And he ended up like just really hurting his arm and really not being able to pitch at all. So when he moved to the full adult distance, he wasn't fast enough to hit and uh, sorry to to, um, to pitch and he just got smashed. He said he lost interest. So he turned to skateboarding and graffiti. He says he was quite adept at both, uh, but not the best. He always says that humility is paramount in Evidence's career. Now, as part of Dilated Peoples, I've said that Rocker was the better MC. Evidence, being the adept producer he doesn't take credit for again, was more focused on using his voice as an instrument. And I actually believe it's this humility that helped him become one of the most respected MCs the game has seen. I mean, we'll talk about it when he signs to Rhyme Says and some of the artists that he gets on these albums. But if it weren't for his desire to improve and soak up the knowledge and skills of those he rapped with, he wouldn't have progressed uh, all the way that he has. Like, I really don't think he would have. But he also suffered slightly being in Dilated Peoples. During the Talib Kweli interview, he said when his mother tragically passed away in 2004, he wrote the song I Still Love You. And they tried to place it on a DP album, but he couldn't figure out where it was going to fit. And this created a whole existential dilemma for evidence. He actually told Adam22 he was confronted with the idea of placing his own identity at the forefront for the very first time, becoming the name and face of the music which opened up a whole new realm of possibility, but also opened him up to criticism he'd never had to face before. Now, I find this concept truly fascinating and something we don't speak about enough. The identity that an MC develops when they begin in a group and how challenging it is to then expand from that and set yourself apart. It's clearly quite a difficult process. Andre 3000 has never really even attempted it with an album. We know that Big Boy struggled heavily with it. Uh, Q-Tip struggled with it because you can say what you want about his solo career, but it is not the same as those Tribe records. Obviously, Rakim struggled with it, um, and he was the only MC in that duo. MC Ran, Prodigy, Praz, you know, these are all legendary MCs who struggled to define themselves as solo artists. Now, you could easily argue Evidence was one of the most successful at it of all time because his Weatherman LP dropped in 2007 independently on ABB. Uh, and that was actually the label that first dropped those DP 12 inches back in the late 90s. And it's a great record, man. And it, it, it starts this incredible solo career that he's had since 07. Just for the, just for the record, I want uh, everyone to realize that um, Ben lift, listed off a ton of names. And then said, uh, "Some of the best lyricists and pros was on that list." So, <laughs> what's his pros? Everyone slanders pros. Poor pros. I mean, he was in a group with Wyclef <laughs> and Lauren, and they dropped a classic album. You can't be a bad <sighs> artist and drop a classic album next to those two artists. Look, I'm not the biggest pros fan in the world, but come on, man. Yeah, so, so, sounds like rough. a retrospective pendant. I feel like we need to do. So let's get pros retrospective. This. Is pros trash? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> See if he's got any solos. I know Whitecliff <laughs> does. Um, but yeah, that's uh, be hilarious. Um, but yeah, Weatherman. Um, so this is the thing um, that you don't get with the later projects because this one kind of just feels like a solo. Uh, it, it, it obviously is a solo, but it still has kind of like DP essence um, in it. And I think I think that goes down more towards just what the uh, what the production is. 
Obviously, you know, uh, Alchemist, Baboos on, uh, does some few scratches um, on a majority of the tracks, also DJ Revolution, um, and, uh, you know, a few, uh, you know, Evidence Beats and uh, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it just comes off as that more than anything, and uh, yeah, it, it, it yeah it just feels like a a dilated people's album that's just it's just got evidence on it for whatever reason. Just uh, it just feels like that. But you know, and obviously has a, a RS Science a record, a Perfect Storm, uh, a rapper Big Poo, uh, NC to CA is a big uh, big one for me. And also Chase, Chase, honestly, from Perfect Storm, Perfect Storm, Chase the Clouds Away, NT to CA, Evidence is Everywhere. That's a really solid uh, four four track stretch for me. I really enjoy uh, listening to those four, especially um, right in the middle of the album. I think it uh, just comes through so nice and, uh, um, you know, and uh, the scratching, oh my gosh, scratching everywhere is just absolutely just... Music, it's music. <laughs> it's quite literally music to my ears in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, um, I feel I feel like you know, regardless of how many, you know, some might say there are probably too many uh, features on here, and it kind of just like you know takes away from, like can could take away from him. But I feel like um, evidence uh, does um, enough um, on that front to keep it uh, to his, even though he has someone like Fonte, Big Poo. Uh, Racker, uh, sl- slug as well from uh, atmosphere, you know, and and yeah, so you know, I feel I feel like he is his, but not quite as much as the uh, projects coming up, if that makes any sense. Uh, not that it's a bad thing, but you know, I feel I feel like the others will have this um sta- this stamp of um not authenticity. That's probably a, a too big of a word. Um, but uh, a stamp of uh, a per- a personal f- a personal uh, a personal flair. There you go. Let's let's, let's call it that. So, like, this one I feel like has a lack of personal flair compared to the others that, that are coming up. But still, yeah. good regardless. No, I think and I think the um, <clears throat> the feature list is probably uh, evidence kind of protecting himself against the thing that he talked about. He was really scared of putting himself out there under his own name you know he he mm. said to adam 22 any criticism he gets as a solo artist is criticism of him you know it's not criticism of the group it's not something that they can go on and work on together it's criticism yep. of him as a person and that was how he was taking it um but obviously this this project uh, it was reviewed really well it has an 84 review average um it's long man 70 minutes 21 tracks Planet Asia, Raka, Big Pood, Fari, Alchemist, Slug, Lake Fonte. It's just incredible. I think it's fascinating for a few reasons. It's a clear conceptual record. Pop Matters wrote this in their review, and their review on this is super in-depth. If anyone ever wants to go read something really well-written and intense, go read the uh, Pop Matters review on this LP. And they wrote, Evidence the rapper essentially poses and answers a question of character with his album. In the face of adversity, will he fall or will he prevail? His answer is that he'll prevail, but not simply because he's always survived in the past. That is, using other acts of perseverance to show he's likely to persevere now, to show action in conformity therewith. But instead, because his track record proves his motives, his opportunity, his pattern, and mode of operation, which I think is an incredible, it's beautifully written, wonderfully written, and basically what they're saying is, 
he's trying to like on this record he's grappling with will i succeed or will i fail as a solo artist and he's not leaning back on the fact like oh i was in dilated peoples and we had all this success so of course i'm gonna succeed because i've succeeded before it's more like i'm gonna succeed because this is the kind of person i am this is the kind of music i want to make and if i'm staying true to that value how could i not succeed and you know we can tell uh, as much from his interview with Kuali and No Jumper that this record was designed to immediately set himself apart from DP to introduce a new type of content into his canon on the first track I know he raps years overdue the solo coming soon a world premiere faced a moment of truth and I love it how he holds these two discordant functions in his hand like he balances them you know supreme confidence in his rapping ability but objectively in third person perspective to recognize the precarious position he's right he's in you know leaving leaving the comparative warmth and comfort and safety of dp and um you know mr slow flow is a fucking banger that's kind of the theme of the album you know i think the production on here is pretty close to second to none in 2007 it kind of sounded like nothing else i felt like alchemist was in a weird bag around this time you know, he'd been, uh, in 06, he'd produced for Be Real, Defari, Cameron, Eminem, Mob Deep, Styles P, but also Raskas, Mr. Fab, Black Poet, Swollen Members. You know, this was around the time he became Eminem's official DJ. And this, of course, exposed him to the brightest of mainstream lights. And I definitely don't feel like Evidence got Alchemist's best material from around this time. Now, I remember in an interview, maybe it was the Talib one, Evidence said that Kanye West actually sound like Alchemist when he first came out. But to be fair, Kanye West sound like Bink and Just Blaze. And Alchemist did too, I feel like. You know, I felt the Dilla influence on the tracks our producers on here. They kind of sound like beat tape joints that Evidence decided to spit over. They're not bad at all, but I think they show the quantum leap that Alchemist was about to make in his uh, production. Especially, we go from this to Covert Coop in just four years. And, you know, I think Evidence was the production MVP on this record for me. Uh, NC to CA sounds like it could have been on a Jeezy album. Um, that was, you know, I thought that, that was an incredible beat. Uh, the flow on I Know on the opening track is only through the BPM that he's concocted. On Hot and Cold, it sounds like he's crafted some, like, 70s funk slow burner. It sounds like it could have scored, like, a part of a Blues Brothers movie. And the final track, I Still Love You, is an incredible track, backdrop by a beautiful beat that kind of cascades around Evidence's heartfelt lyrics. It's a great record, man. There's hardly anything better that came out in the underground in 2007, in my experience. I think he set himself a challenge by creating a concept record that was 21 tracks out the gate, and I think he pulled it off beautifully. And then we get his second record, Cats and Dogs. Yeah, Cats and Dogs. I was trying to, I was trying to like uh, think... Um, as you were talking, uh, as to why I wasn't as heavy into this album as the rest of them, because as we've already stated, um, you know, there's not much. Uh, I I think um, I I don't think there's much difference between this album and Weatherman apart from the conceptual uh, uh element that you were talking about on the Weatherman. But yeah, I was trying to just like think about this uh, this album, and uh, I'm not really sure uh, why I'm not too high on it. I feel like you know, on the face, it's pretty decent. Um, Aloe Black, Raekwon, Raskas on one track, uh, Prodigy and Rock Marciano on Fame, uh, Aesop Rock and Slug on Lay for the Sky, so Ill Fame, uh, Racker and the Terminology on Where You Come From. You know, these are these are 
on paper very decent tracks, but I guess when I was, I, I guess compared to everything else as I've been listening this week, I feel like this just falls down the wayside for me and doesn't and uh, comes across as uh, kind of unmemorable. Um, as a very, I think it's very. I make this point very subjectively. Um, I think objectively, it's uh, it's it's decent. It's fine. Um, there's no, uh, you know, misstep. Uh, I I think uh, in 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 the overall uh, nature of it, I just um yeah, I just wasn't really just didn't really uh, touch me like a like a I think uh, something like whether or not or the weatherman did um, mm. as I was listening to it. Uh, and, you know, yeah, man. Off. Look, I th- I actually think it's a bit better than his debut album. I think. You know, this is his first album on Rhyme Sayers. Uh, he actually okay. said around the time of the Weatherman LP, he was speaking to Rhyme Sayers. And Rhyme Sayers is that legendary independent label reserved only for the most lyrical of MCs. Um, but he wasn't there yet. He said with the, with his debut album, he told Matt Shea, I talked to him yeah. around the time of Weatherman and it wasn't the time then. But then I spoke around the time of the Layover EP and it wasn't time then. But by the third record, when he, he says third record, he means uh, the LP, the EP, and now this, Cats and Dogs which is his second LP. He says, I generated enough buzz that I had offers from other independent labels. So I hit them back and I'm like, this is what I've got going. And then came back saying, let's do it. And so Matt Shea then asked why he even wanted to sign with them. And his answer is salient, I think. He says they're self-contained. And I think this was evidence his position of power. He said that when he left EP, he wanted to separate himself fully from the group. So he actually decided to hire his own team, his own manager, uh, not not to be disrespectful of them, but so that he wouldn't be disruptive, to keep DP as pure as possible and separate the two parts of his career. And Rhyme says makes the perfect sense for him to sign. You know, they're populated by some of the greatest self-contained artists of all time, Aesop Rock, Atmosphere, uh, Sarok, MF Doom, Abstract Rue, Brother Ali, like, you know, say... Mac Lethal. Mm, I mean, look, an incredible freaking label. But no, the, Mac this, uh, this meant that there was renewed pressure on evidence. There really was. The pressure he spoke of during interviews with Quali and No Jumper because his first album hit and he poured his heart and soul into it. And now he was next to Legends. He had the weight of the independent scene behind him. And he told Matt Shea, being that I'd gone through it before with dilated peoples on the platform, there had been a lot of expectations for expansion on that record, and it became our biggest record. So the sophomore jinx, I defeated it once, and I was very determined for that to be the case this time also. That took a lot of time separating myself, jumping off the internet, spending time going away, coming back, going on the road, all those things that I do, recording so much. I had to take time with those songs after months off to understand what I could whittle down. I think this was... um, you know, this was far bigger than the sophomore slump, the possibility of it, because the features on this record, Aloe Black, Raekwon, Raskas, Rock Marciano, Prodigy, Aesop Rock, Lil Fame, Terminology, production from Alchemist, DJ Premier, Static Selector, and we said this about Nikki's debut album. Um, I bet you didn't think that there'd be a Nikki reference in an Evidence episode, but the pressure on her debut album might be the most in hip-hop history. You know, there's pressure on evidence on this record, and he knocks it out of the fucking park. He really does. 79 on Metacritic, 64 on the Billboard 200 independently, which is really epic. I think it's a great record, man. He kind of reaches back into the 90s and brings it into 2011. Then we get the alchemist of the covert coupe level. Um, We got him doing his best RZA on the liner notes and then kind of mixing G-Funk with rock soul samples on the red carpet. You know, James Hendrix... Alchemist taps into that mid-2000s energy. He competes with that whole hip house trend, but centers it like in something LOX would have wrapped over. And I think uh, Evidence excels in this record. I feel like he never tries to outwrap his collaborators. 
He sticks firmly in his lane. Like on uh, Late for the Sky, Aesop Rock just fucking skates. This is, listen to Aesop Rock rapping here. From a chicken wire frame in a house of wax to a rocket exploding into a cloud of bats, I bean it, dog meat in the 76 Plymouth, sitting bitch, antenna diving for the divining for live witches. Have you buried a corpse? Can you suture a wound? Do you get a fuzzy feeling when the beautiful lose? Like a behooving of a crew to snap Buddha, enthuse greatly. Prove a de- definitive crucible of mood making. Like, bro, Aesop Rock just is just on a whole other level. You're not going to compete with that. So evidence goes in a completely different direction. He chooses to slice up that humility and then kind of serve it amongst muted brags, which kind of gives them more weight. He says, he's a quotable slash rap notable slash Mike gone, but Janet's still controlling you. I'm rarely candid. My view panoramic, my eyes wide shut. If not one, a hole in two. What rapper calls himself a hole in two? You know, like that's just like, that's crazy. By this stage in Ev's career, he's kind of extracting himself from comparisons and groups and duos and whatever else he's involved in. And I feel like he's standing on his own two feet entirely. Um... You know, even as part of Rhyme says, you couldn't argue he sounds generic or like his competitor, uh, contemporaries or competitors. So I like the album. I, I do. I think it's a good project. Then we get uh, the the Alchemist duo album, Lord Steppington. Was this a, a when was the first time you heard the Alchemist uh, rap? Um, I mean, I'm sure I've heard him rap before, but I'm embarrassed to say I did not know he rapped before my interview. I watched an interview with him with. Um, Adam 22 like two weeks ago and he was like Alchemist is a really really good rapper and I'm like oh cool why doesn't he rap anymore and like I just had not heard him rap before I'm sure I had but I didn't know it was him you know what I mean because it's hard sometimes with a producer like if you see featuring a producer on a track you're like oh maybe they've got some like vocals or there's a now that the Mm -hmm. artist is just featuring them to get a look like i never Mm -hmm. knew that it was actually alchemist rapping but yeah man he he fucking raps all over Um, this joint yeah they literally just take her they literally yes it's a dual fret uh double dip uh in this in this album it's crazy um yeah i just didn't realize that uh alchemist alchemist had bars to be honest i was just like oh oh okay um I'll say production-wise, it's very interesting uh, being 2014 and um, only, I can imagine, someone like being on this uh, project, uh, Rock Marciano and uh, See the Rich Man Play. Love that beat, by the way. Love that sample, especially. Outstanding sample. Um, but, you know, I was listening, uh, as soon as Dr. Kimball came on, I was, uh, I don't know, man, I was, I was expecting a few, uh, you know, boo, 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 you know, I'm trying to... I was expecting a few of those, but um, you know, didn't, didn't, uh, obviously didn't come for obvious reasons. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it came off uh, a lot of time uh, for a few tracks, kind of just like um, the foundation of what you know we were uh, we considered like the Griselda sound uh, in, in these days. Um, but yeah, but regardless of that, also something I noticed. But yeah, it's a it's a really interesting record. I think um, I don't think that <laughs> I don't think many there's many alchemists believe alchemist cuts uh, uh like this um but i mean I, i'm i'm not i'm not as uh, uh rehearsed in his, dis- his personal discography um but this is a very interesting i think uh uh step uh step for for both of them in some ways because i don't i i don't ex- i didn't expect uh evidence to be 
so so he's good so he's good in a trio he's good on his own and now he's good on a duo and I'm just like damn he's just consistently decent regardless of who he's with and that's kind of that's kind of interesting to uh, to come away from this um and you could have said that I mean you kind of said that on a uh, cast and dogs anyway in how you know have someone like Aesop Rock uh, you know uh, scorch scorch the earth but then there's evidence just uh, you know just be in evidence <laughs> and it's not and it's not exact it's not a matter of like um oh you got rinsed off the track uh, it's, it's none it's not it doesn't have that energy it doesn't have that that type of uh, that type of energy when it comes to this um but i do i do like the, i like the chemistry here honestly um uh lyrically uh, i think um uh alchemist uh, gives off this uh, kind of like action Bronson esque essence um, in in terms of what he's talking about. Like it, it is one from mm. uh, the verse from uh, "See the Rich Man Play" uh, by the Alchemist. Uh, scheming on a watch, dreaming on a yacht. Background sounds of ones jingling from out the slot. Thinking on a plot, drown my face until the bar closed. Two months late on the rent plus the car note. We all purchase man without purpose, wood circle wrapped in velvet, while I watch the chips uh, slide across the surface, cards on the table, watch the facial expressions turning nervous. Yes, it's kind of, uh, it's it's interesting. It's interesting wordplay. It, you know, keeps you, keeps you guessing, I think. Um, And yeah, I I respect, I respect uh, Alchemist's uh, uh, pen game. Um, I kind of, similar to Pete Rock, I kind of wish they both did it more. Um, it's just one of those things, I guess. When you, you know, when you're top tier, you know, god tier on the one thing, you know, why, uh, why, why even, why even bother with the other side? Um, you know, why risk it? But regardless of that, it is a solid album. It's a solid listen. I think there's some. I think the production shines uh, on this album uh, for me personally. I think there's just some really good, <laughs> really good freaking uh, beats on here. See Rich Man play, like I mentioned. Uh, no hesitation with Styles P. Uh, 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 tomorrow with a uh, blue and rocker, um, outstanding. Uh, just just outstanding beats on those and outstanding tracks on their own right. But yeah, man, solid solid project. Can't complain. Yeah, man. It's um, it's an interesting project because the lead up to it and the the kind of press around it was just fun, man. In interviews promoting it, they just bounce off each other so beautifully. The visuals accompanying Stepmasters is fucking hilarious with Alchemist and Ev just running riot through a bunch of different scenarios. Uh, people sleep so heavily on Alchemist, man. Oh, no, he was don't. around <laughs> Cypress Hill. He was Eminem's, of... but like they 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 do because what I'm about to say, like people don't realize that everyone's like he's a super consistent producer, right? I don't think people understand the things that this man has done. He started with Cypress Hill. He was Eminem's official DJ. He was on Fuck That's Delicious. He's just he's everywhere. You know, I was listening to. Um, Danny Brown's really dough the other day and like you know Earl just references him at the end of the you know I'm dirty as a spliff that my uncle Alchemist puff like it's just it's all about like Alchemist has just been with everyone is everyone has an Alchemist story and you know he um his relationship with evidence goes all the way back to the eighth grade and it was actually Ev obviously who put him on via QD3 and of course Alchemist's first official production credit as the Alchemist is on a dilated people's track back in ninety six. So their history is super deep. And you know, watching them smash beer bottles over each other's heads and racing downstairs or seeing who can keep mouthwashing their mouth the longest in the stepmasters video is fucking hilarious. You actually forget to listen to the lyrics. And evidence has been claiming in interviews for years, as I say, that Alchemist can really, really rap. 
and um, he's good, man. He's good. Like I, I get, I get that that kind of on on Stepmasters. He raps beasts like this make me bang my head and beat my fist on the table. Ropes ropes thicker than them ski lift cables. Talk slick. I'll connect both your lips with staples like a mummy rap. This is straight dummy rap. No Easter bunny rap. Don't sleep on the paper or take money oh, naps. <laughs> a race on the track like Ricky Bobby. Spit it sloppy. My profession's videography. I. You know, I just want to say that this was, I think, Alchemist's sweet spot as a producer. And I think every year since 2011, he's been doing it. And I do wonder how much influence he takes as a producer and MC from RZA because his rapping does remind me of RZA. You know, even kind of down the way to RZA would just randomly double his cadence for like one bar. And Alchemist does that sometimes too. This product, this, this project is good, man. It's Styles P's voice slipped in so smoothly and no hesitation uh, action Bronson at his absolute zaniest on Mums in the Garage, and this was this was early Action Bronson, you know, like this was Action Bronson when he was just kind of all over the place. And they did a few interviews, and Complex asked them what their goal with this record, and Al said, "I just want to get the album out to get the most ears and eyes. I want people that don't like my beats that already know me and don't like me to hear this, and I want to anger people that want me to use more snares and drums." I want to anger people who expect something that I've done in the past because I'm just that type. I'll destroy something before I build it. I'm just a jerk like that. So that's my goal, just to make people upset for a brief moment. And um, look, man, this album is best consumed stoned. I can fully vouch for that. It is uh, it's a whole experience in the headphones when you're in that state. So it's a good project, man. Yeah. Whether or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you. Um, yes, I, this is this is my favorite project, um, and it's funny because I remember listening to this for the first time, uh, 2018, January 2018. So what was I doing then? So it was final year uni, and I was like sweating through. Um, I, I was literally beginning my final uh, major project at that point. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of a. I, I, I remember popping on, and I remember finding it fine, um, but nothing to write home about. But listening to it again after all these years, um, it is in my mind is best project. Um, I think just in every fashion, uh, the the free track stretch from Powder Cocaine, Jim Dean, and whether or not it's just superb to me. Uh, especially Jim Dean, I think that's his best beat. Um, actually, is it even his beat? Let me check. Fucking <laughs> know. Let's get that right. Uh, it's not St. Demetrius T, but yeah, that 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 shit slaps. That, that's that's a heavy beat. Um, but yeah, it's um. Those three tracks, especially, just uh, sung home for me. I really enjoyed those. Uh, coming down more to "Sell Me This Pen," really fascinating track. Obviously, uh, hmm. uh, as a uh, as a uh, uh, homage to uh, Wolf of Wall Street, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really just really good stuff. And Alchemist raps again. Um, so you know, and uh, that's, that's great. That's all, that's all good, well and good, uh, good in the hood. And apparently, Matt Comey as well um, <laughs> with. Richie says on Genius here, these lyrics are intentionally locked and left partial due to a DMCA takedown request. <laughs> Please do not edit the lyrics to include the removed sections. I wonder which sections they're talking about, Ben. Um, but yeah, and also, uh, and even even near the end, actually, um, you know, from Sell Me This Pen, Love Is A Funny Thing, with Crisis, Rhapsody, Stars, P, Elite, just fucking, just bars all over that. That's just absurd track. Um, uh, they say love is a funny thing, but what's funny is the company that the money brings. Every year my circle's getting smaller. Not Ben Baller, but never had a thin wallet. I get I got dollars in different forms of currency. I got problems, but ain't nothing that worry me. 
I, I, I see this right about evidence, I think, as an overall point. I really respect just how, uh, I think, obviously we've been talking about the uh, down-to-earth nature he has. And I, I appreciate the fact that he does that on wax. Obviously, you mentioned the um, hole in two as well. I just appreciate that. I respect that. Um, it really, it really, it's, it's really endearing. Um, and it's not like a, it's not weak or whiny, you know what I mean? It's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's just good. I just really, it's really, yeah, it's like really endearing. Um, but yeah, 10,000 hours, uh, to make a long, uh, to make a long story longer. Um, and obviously by my side too, just, um, heavy track. I mean, just, uh, in a, in a general, not, not even like a verse, but just, uh, well, a, a verse, but yeah, just a heavy track, um, for obvious reasons. Uh, to do with his uh, 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 wi- uh, wife um, with uh, stage 3 uh, breast cancer. But, yeah, man, it's a heavy finish. But um, even with that said, it doesn't... It, I, I, was, I remember listening to it and I was thinking it was heavy, um, but the beats themselves don't come across as that. And I find that very interesting. At this point, I feel like he's gone... He's gone... Aw- done away with the... Uh, with the, uh, you know, DJ Babu cuts or DJ Revolution cuts, none of that anymore, but just straight beats and uh, just uh, straight loops. And um, I, I like I, I'm, uh, that, that that change is interesting to me, and I feel like that's a element of his growth that I was talking about earlier, of distancing himself creatively from uh, what Dilay Peoples does as a trio, um, but regardless of that, it still has the essence of that, um, you know, obviously with his own beats, Alchemist obviously constantly on here, knots a few times, uh, DJ Babu and whether or not, actually, there you go, uh, DJ Premier on 10,000 Hours, um, it's just some, I think the dude's just got a good Rolodex, what can I say, he's just got a decent freaking Rolodex. Yeah, absolutely, man. Look, um, Evidence did a punch of press for this album, uh, he said... To me, it's, it told grown-up rap. To me, it's the final chapter. It's like I'm closing the book on the weatherman thing. So I really wanted to make a dramatic album, kind of throw everything at the wall. I wanted to make it hit real hard, make every track really big. So I've pushed it into the red as far as the mix goes. So yeah, basically go big or go home on this last one. Now, I'm not super sure I understand that one because, you know, we get Rhapsody, Styles P, John Wayne on here, Premier producing some stuff for Knots, but it kind of actually feels like a bit of a step back from his second LP, Uh it feels like the warmest project he's dropped. It feels kind of calm and well-worn. You know, this record came under, as Charlie alluded to, it was heavy, heavy duress uh, for, for evidence. He told Billboard he'd gone through the biggest growing years of his life uh, since his last LP. He said, I made this record under pretty bad terms. I was in a fucked up place. It's probably a lot of shedding of skin. I feel like me for the first time. Now, this makes way more sense, and this is part of what I said on the DP episode and the Elzai comparison. So I think that this was, if this album had dropped at in 2007, then we would have, the Elzai comparison would be perfect because I think that this was when uh, Evidence finally was just completely free of any kind of DP hangover or whatever you want to say. I think this is as personal as it could possibly be. There's no veneer, there's no other side. You know, the track names alone chart a much darker path, throw it all away, powder cocaine, moving too fast, bad publicity, raindrops, love is a funny thing, what I need. You know, um, on Sell Me This Panty Raps, fuck bigger picture if I rhyme, it's just coincidence. These are God's words given to my brain on top of instruments, filtered through a brush, so when I paint it's never settling. It's reggae roots rock or watch roots rock adrenaline. 
fuck the rhetoric of any lies attached to me, assassinate my character with rumors and blasphemy, truth crushed to the earth and then it rises, while the working late doctor working late with no surprises, I sell him stories, I don't tell him the end, only person in this building who can sell him this pen, you know, it's, it's an incredible, and Obviously, as Charlie said, he references the Wolf of Wall Street. But on Raindrops, we get the memories fall, cats and dogs, memories. You're all falling down, the panel recall. Raindrops falling on my head like a flashback. And, you know, Pop Matters spoke of evidence finding his center on, on his debut album. And I spoke about it when I talked about DP's second album. You know, it's the place you feel most comfortable and then attacking or creating or expanding from there. And I feel like the same process DP went through with that shelf debut record and to their 2001 project, I think Evidence went through again as a solo artist. And you think about that timeline, it's pretty much the same because, you know, that shelf solo album was, what, 93? So that's eight years before their second album. And this dropped in 2018, I think. So it's 11 years. So it's pretty close to, you know, the same kind of process. And I think every track on here is a lyrical meal. It's steep with emotion and intensity. It's the most overt example of the process Ever's gone through his whole life. And he told multiple interviews he sees himself as a vessel for change. And in the Billboard interview accompanying this album, he spoke on it eloquently. He said, I feel like I'm literally changing. I learned something crazy having a kid, which never dawned on me before. He imitates me, walks like me, moves like me. He's going to look like me by virtue of being my son. But if I'm not there, he's just going to imitate somebody somebody else sorry it's showing me how much time is everything i need i need to be his main influencer and if i'm not and someone else is then i fucked up bad the feeling of it not being about me anymore is crazy i'm just thinking different in a lot of ways smarter i've been thinking about locking shit down in the future making sure he's good so like listen to that it's just it's the same kind of there's this there's this anxiety within evidence but i don't want to call it anxiety it's just like he wants to get shit right. He sees the bigger picture. He, uh, you know, he's very reflective. And I, I think this record, um, you know, it really shows it. The song 10,000 Hours, I think, is perfectly placed on this record, produced by DJ Premier. And it kind of deals with the belief, obviously, that it takes 10,000 hours to master a craft. I think it's a fascinating track for someone like Evidence to make, and it perfectly sums up this album. Because when you listen to Ev speaking in interviews, as I said right at the start, he kind of gives off this impression he just kind of lucked into making music. But that's not the case at all. Whilst his hobbies varied as a kid, when he fell in love with music, he absolutely locked in. And in the DP episode last week, I quoted Rocker when he said he was talking about Ev getting more production credits on their 2014 album, Directors of Photography, and how Ev was still super gassed to be getting any production credits. Now think about that, you know. That's ridiculous when you look at his production discography. Like Swollen Members, Defari, Planet Asia, Raekwon, Kanye West, Sean. He was, he was the only outside producer on Kanye West's debut album. This is a man who 11 years later, 10 years later, was gassed to be getting production credits on his own album. Like, that's insane, you know? Like, he's a, he's a great photographer as well. Like, I think he undersells himself. Even in interviews, he kind of plays the middle of the road. But I think on 10,000 Hours, he really acknowledges the mastery of his craft while simultaneously admitting he has a lifetime of growth left. And I love that. And I think this is why whether or not it hits so hard, you know, hearing evidence in these difficult emotional spaces, knowing him to be a pure individual with deep, deep love for the game and his peers, it's a really emotional listen, and especially the final track. So By My Side 2, it's about Evidence's girlfriend who was battling breast cancer, and the refrain of We're Alive just hurts so fucking much because she tragically passed away just three months after the album dropped. 
And Ev details that they found the cancer when his son Enzo was breastfeeding and he felt something. And it's a fucking dark listen in hindsight. And it's astonishing that evidence even came back from that to drop another project. Um, we get another project, Unlearning Volume 1. But man, when I when I heard that story, and I was when I was watching his interviews in 2019 with, with Talib Kweli and uh, No Jumper, I felt something was a bit off with evidence. Like, I didn't know this story yet. And watching those interviews, and I'll talk about it in a second, but like, yeah, man, when I when I read that story, it just kind of made sense. And then we get the final, the most recent album, which is Unlearning Volume 1. Yeah, and um, I feel while, while you were talking, I was just um, reading some of the lyrics from Unlearning, and it kind of just has this, um, when you read it anyway, um, it just has this uh, kind of a, uh simplified uh style of writing that uh, doesn't ask much of itself if that makes any sense they're packed with meaning they're packed with you know uh gems all that stuff you want from a lyricist um but just the way they're structured they just come off very simple and uh not like you know like i said not asking too much from yourself and i find that interesting in the scope of um the concept of you know what unlearning means and i feel like there's a lot of uh i, I feel like that was that be, that started to become a thing uh for some people the concept of unlearning and just what even means um in my personal uh thought process i see unlearning as uh taking taking things that you don't have power over um and taking them as gospel regardless right when you watch the news you know that's um regardless of how crackpot it may sound they they are doing it in a certain way right that there's no there's no such thing as completely unbiased in my mind you know people try there are few there are a few people that make an attempt but um you know is what it is um and that you know you can apply that to the whole of uh media um thought leaders quote unquote um and all that stuff you know you 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 are you are constantly shown uh things that uh you may or may not that you don't even know if this if it's legit or not right um but you might take it as face value because of the person that put it there or the person um, shouted you out, uh, shouted you on it. Um, but you know, when it comes to unlearning, it's unpacking as well. You know, it's 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 laying shit on the table um, as to how you feel about certain things, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about the world around you. So um, this one from this is some lyrics from Lost in Time, uh, Park Jams, uh, produced by Knots. Uh, so a great B, by the way. I I really enjoy Knots actually as a producer. He's really underrated. Every time I every time he comes up on my, on a on a on a production credit, I'm just like, hmm, it's nice. Anyway, I shine so bright. So what you want? Dope or dog food? Don't need a needle in my arm. My needle on grooves. Make the wrong moves, and history's made. Make the right one. They might just try to evict where you stay. I stay below the surface. Only believe in what I'm known to purchase. Flying higher up, just like bird perches. Got a keen sense. I'm observant. Got the worm up. Uh, got the worm. I'm up early at night. I'm up turning, sleepless. Keeps my uh, keeps my far from what my dream is. I think I say keeps me far. By the way, 
Uh, I need peace more than bendy bends or beamers. Extend my arms just to find out what my reach is. Beaches. Define my actions more than all my features. All my reason and my logic now been panning out. Don't take me serious until I pull the cannon out. The camera. I make the photo finish vintage. They don't call it art. I'm just a person who's an owner of a lonely heart. Like, it's simplistic when you read it. And it's easy to just break down um, in terms of reading. But there's just so much packed in there. So much good shit packed in there. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. This is a really underrated album for me personally. I feel like um, I didn't really give this the respect it deserved when I initially listened to it uh, back in 21. Um, a summer 21 but yeah man this is some really really good shit on here uh, you know the the the, the um uh, the production doesn't really wane in my mind uh, in any fashion uh, it starts off very simplistic i think you know from better you start a day with a beat um but once it once once it gets more into the project i feel like the beats are kind of a uh, uh, become more layered um, in my mind and uh, you know good features as well uh, Murkage Dave um, on M- Won't Give Up The Danger is a highlight for me personally uh, Navy Blue on uh, Pray With An A uh, Flying Anakin, uh, Fly Anakin on Delay The Issue real good stuff you also got Conway and uh, 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 your boy Boldy on there as well so uh, you know some good some good variety in voices um, but at the end of the day you're just you just listen to evidence and you know he he's he's truly the center um of it and it's a it's you know when you connect that to um you know the weatherman there's just so there's so much uh there's so much evolution between those two projects and it makes me smile thinking about it because it's just so much and you know obviously there there had to be a lot of uh pain and anguish in between those two albums, right? That we've re- that you've already talked about, um, but damn, does it come through just real nice on here, and uh, doesn't uh, doesn't strangle you with anything, uh, doesn't strangle you with you know uh, wh- however he's feeling, but it has it, and I, th- I think that's kind of what good uh, what's good about evidence as well is that you don't have to, it doesn't force you to, uh, I think. Um, sympathize or even empathize but just listen and take the time and you will be rewarded regardless um so yeah it's it's a it's a it's a a solid album i really enjoyed this it's some good stuff on it i think it's great that you said that because it actually matches up with his intention so i'll talk about that there we go like a second and he says he called this a clean start um he said it's not a new chapter i'm starting a new book in a new genre it's an inspiration to try something of which I'm not guaranteed good results. That's when we're doing our best work when we're not in our comfort zone. In this case, it meant getting back to basics. As I see, people get more accomplished and have longer careers. The tendency is to add more, get bigger and grander. For me, it was like I feel the other way. I feel like making a demo again. So after the heartbreak of whether or not, it's really obviously comforting to see evidence back in his bag. And um, he said to Passion of the Weiss, which is something that he echoed in the Kuali and No Jumper interviews. He said, and this is, relates to what you said, Charlie, you do not want to sell sympathy. You don't want to go out there and say, feel bad for me. That ain't it. If it didn't have something optimistic about it or something that felt like a moment of clarity or fun sprinkled in, it doesn't work. And he says the same thing. I think it's the No Jumper interview where he just said he doesn't want people to feel sorry for him. He doesn't want people to 
you know, commiserate. He wants to just be himself and emote, but not like elicit sympathy from people. And, you know, I think this is a great project. It's not a meth lab type album. Uh, it's fully fledged solo album from Ev with personal tracks, speaking about being a single father, being a producer and a rapper, uh, dealing with and tracking a new path. And the whole idea of unlearning sounds like anathema to evidence who we know to be someone learning and growing with everything he does. But he told Passion of the Weast this, he said, when I'm writing, I'd find myself thinking, would Rucker like this? Would Babu spin this? It's considering you've moved past imitation, but you're still thinking I need to make something that'll work for this, or this will make all the hands go up in the club. For this one, I just pretended I'd never done a show before. It's like my demo tape, my re-entry. Innovating doesn't mean I'm coming up with some wild rhyme scheme. It means you're testing new boundaries to yourself. Everyone's innovation is true to themselves. So look, I think it sounds great to me. I think evidence spitting over fire production. Uh, I felt like at the end of the DP episode, it was kind of like, well, they made the same album five times over with a few minor changes. And that album is fire, but it's still the same album. But I don't think evidence is like that. You know, I think he kept progressing and moving through the stages of becoming an open and emotional MC. Um, I think it culminated in a harrowing story, made much more harrowing by how open Ev was on that track at the end of his last project. But the evidence of 10 years prior would never have been so open on wax. And as listeners, we'd never have known how truly deep his loss was. So we we benefited from that. We benefited from evidence being so open because, you know, like he spoke on this in a few interviews. He said the idea that he needed to foster connection between him as a person and his audience if he wanted to sit apart from his DP persona. Now, I can't imagine how difficult it is for him to see that song sitting at the end of that album, knowing what happened after that. And maybe he'd take it back if he could, and I wouldn't begrudge him that at all. But knowing that story and hearing his emotion endeared him to me in a way I can't fully explain. And when I watched his interviews with Kuali and Adam22, um, and they came out in 2019, so they were just after this, this tragic event had happened, his partner passing away, I was genuine, I mentioned this earlier, I was genuinely surprised at his demeanor. Um, this was before I knew the story, but he seemed really unsure of himself, very reserved and quiet, um, in far contrast to his persona during the Step Brothers rollout, for example. But knowing what I know now, I look at those interviews in a really different way. And it's kind of weird because, like, personally, I'm going through a lot from an emotional and psychological standpoint. And these past four weeks have been chaotic and challenging. And when we agreed to do Dilated Peoples, I went straight to those two interviews because with Tali and No Jumper with evidence, because I just wanted to find the juicy story of how DP started. But I've genuinely watched both of them about 10 times each, which is no easy feat because they're both an hour each. And I genuinely find myself at the end of a hard day, just switching on FIFA or some PS4 game, putting my headphones on and listening to evidence speak. You know, he speaks about life, about his journey, about his hopes for the future. Uh, listen to him chat about modern hip-hop, tier lists, social media, Kanye West, and it's really calming. And knowing what I know now about what happened in his life and what prompted that mood change in those interviews, it makes me really sad, but it also makes me motivated, you know, seeing someone in such distress still trying to connect to people, you know, not withdrawing and receding from life, but re-entering it. Uh, is pretty fucking inspirational. And again, we wouldn't know that unless evidence was brave enough to be that open and emotional on wax and he did that and i respect it deeply no exactly um not much really to say after that uh to be honest i feel like he's a obviously a humble dude um but creative as hell 
and um, it's good just to see him uh, progress and to be, uh, I think, honest uh, with his own uh, set of skills and his own uh, his own artistry. It's really refreshing to experience an artist in this fashion. And I think uh, we get um, uh, artists like Evans as much as we probably should, um, or as we, uh, my, some of us might probably want. Um, but regardless of that, it's still very refreshing uh, just to uh, spin a guy uh, like this that can be honest, um, but also just, um, you know, not get, uh, uh, not like you said, not try to sell um sympathy and stuff like that mm. but yeah shout out to evidence man shout out to evidence and um mm-hmm. shout out to ben for having a ps4 oh the peasantry uh- <laughs> oh, jesus man <laughs> it's a it's funny when i bought that i bought it during lockdown in 2020 and i went to this guy's house which is obviously what you do when you buy a secondhand ps4 and um <laughs> he called me straighty 180 about 50 times he just kept saying, you look so... He, he even said, do you mind if I put it in a bag that I bought alcohol in? And he said, because you're so straighty 180. And straighty I'm like, S- stop calling me straighty 180. Like, just relax. But yeah, man. What, what, like, what does that mean? Why, he means that I, he was obviously a, a drug user and I didn't appear to be one. So that oh, was right. his... Little do they um, know, right? Well, I felt like saying that to him. I was like, bro... To be fair, I've probably taken a shitload more the drugs list. than you. I know, like I don't, I don't ever talk about it or flex on it, but like you know, I mean, they're not illicit, they're not illegal substances, but sure, they're, sure. they're definitely mind altering. Sure, straighty one eighty, straighty one eighty. First time I've ever been called that, by the way. I certainly do not. I don't think I look straighty one eighty. Straight one eighty. Why the one eighty though? Like if it's straight, because I I get the straight element of it. You know, like uptight. You know, stick up your ass. Like, you know, that's kind of the synonyms for that. But why does the one eighty come well, from? One eighty degrees is like flat. Like it's a flat line. So like oh, if you're going, at ninety degrees, going horizontal. Okay, I thought you meant yeah, like turning de- around. Yeah, no, no, no. Like a ninety degree angle is that, but a, and a one eighty degree angle is just straight. So Cheers. I think it's the yeah yeah. Math with reference. Ben. It's a deep reference. Yeah, it is a bit of math with Ben. It is a deep reference. <laughs> from this, uh... Fucking elbow. This is not you. <laughs> I'd be a good teacher, I reckon. Fucking hell. God damn. All right. With that said, we'll hop into a light note if you ever. <laughs> any, um, any more Any more year seven level maths uh, fucking questions? Going to teach me about bisecting as well? What the fuck? Well, that's about the last time I paid attention in math. So that's probably all I can give you. I can't give you anything after that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, once, uh, once you, once you're like fifteen and all, uh, and all the people behind you start yeeting fucking compasses at each other. I mean, like, you know, you can't really learn much, can you? The compass was a fucking dangerous thing Bro, to give why? a bunch of why? teenagers. <laughs> Do you know how many awesome. times I got shanked by fucking you compasses in school? Nuts. It was a sharp edge, man. That shit I hurt. I still man. got scars like, from that. I was like, bro, I'm trying not to get blinded over it. Like, bro, catches an eye, it's, it's raps. Like, why are you lot yeeting this shit? Like, yeet some books, fine, I get it. But, like, fucking compasses? I used to, um, people, man. I was I was bullied mad in high school. I got used to get spitballed, right? So there's this oh, kid that used to sit at the back and he used to hollow out a biro and then get little tiny bits of paper and put them in his mouth and and one day I turned around and just as he spitballed and the spitball got lodged in my fucking eye. 
I mean, oh, that's a bad day. That oh, was early shit. too. That was like half nine. So like, what am I meant to do for the rest <laughs> of the day? I've just gotten some degenerate's gob in my eye and I'm just like, bro, this is disastrous. I need to, I don't know what to do from here. I don't know how to recover from this. It was a rough fucking day, man. Yeah, the reaction you're having right now was a reaction of a lot of people oh, around me at the time, including my friends. You know, there was no... That's outstanding. That's always the underrated thing about, like, um, just a moment in... A moment happening during school. When it happens in the fucking morning, uh, you have the whole day to go. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> You, you can't dip. end the day right there, bro. You just want to up and leave. And it's like, bro, I've got like six hours left. What the fuck? You're, sh- you're fucking shoeboxed in with all the people you just embarrass oh. yourself in front of. It's a baptism of fire, man. It's a fucking cauldron school. Oh, fuck's sake, man. I'm trying to... I'm trying to remember like a school, a school moment on that, on that on that level. I don't I don't think I have one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I... I, I th- I, I I nearly caved my head in. I, I slipped one time during the winter on the way to school, and at the same time they were like doing these, they were really locking down on people being late to assembly. Mm. Um, so I came in late, and there was like just one teacher came at me like the fucking Gestapo, like like ready to handcuff me because I was like ten minutes late. And um, you know, I, I my my head was just like thumping. It wasn't bleeding or anything, but. Yeah, I I literally just sat, I think I sat there and just like uh just like groggy for like at least five minutes uh, on the floor like trying to get up from the ice, um and yeah I made it there and I was just like yeah it was just like like you know no excuses kind of vibes and I was just like I mean I mean I I just slipped and caved my head in but you know I'm late so like, you know. <laughs> what what do you do how do you explain yourself from that it's like unless you unless you unless your head's severed. Like, they don't give a shit, you know what I mean? No, but, but I feel like that should be one of the funniest things when you go skiing, in Australia especially, because we don't know anything about ice. So, like, the funniest thing is everyone's just got all their gear, they've got their skis, their stocks, and they're walking along, and then all of a sudden they just go, Shoop! and then you just <laughs> slip out from under them, and then you just see people just crash to the ground. But I feel like anyone who's seen anyone do that would understand, like, that happens to the best of us. Like you've just got to respect that. That's fucking. That's an awful thing to have happen. You don't want to be slipping around. You know what? The one thing I hated about high school, especially, um, and funny enough, bro, it wasn't even like I think I, I got more slack from the teachers than my own people most of the time, right? Because because most of the bad moments I have is just like teacher enabled. <clears throat> I I like why am I playing rugby in minus degree weather and it's <laughs> wet as shit. Like, we literally have an indoor facility. Can we just not go inside and do something else? Like, why do we Why do we must play rugby in in January wet-ass weather? I don't want to do this. I don't want to get on my knees and learn how to take a tackle. I don't care. I don't give a fuck, okay? That's actually hilarious. It pisses me off, bro. Like, we have, we have summer days. We have dry days, right? As you can imagine, right, with the seasons and how it goes, you'd but hope so. The fact that they, <laughs> the fact that they forced us to just play rugby in winter weather, and it's like, and it chucked it down an hour before, and now I'm just like knees in mud, and I'm trying to, and I'm learning to take a tackle and fucking parachute down or whatever the fuck it's called. Like fuck off, like fuck you, like I don't care. Like I will, I, we had our school, our high school, 
had a uh, had a genuine like our school branded uh tracksuit right for, for i think it was built for cross country but um i don't see anybody do that cross country which just still blows my mind because people take in uh you know uh shoe spikes to the fucking shin but whatever um so uh, throughout the entire like um uh like the last two years of um just you know uniform wearing year nine year ten for those uh, for those if you know you know um we basically just played football just because we had PE once a week, right? It's, 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 it's just vibes at that point. Just, you know, just, <laughs> just play some football. Fuck it. Nothing else to do. Why not? Um, and they always put... Uh, I always got put in goal um, for reasons I'm still asking myself to this day. I'm not saying I'm, you know, fucking uh, messy, down the, messy down the wing. But, you know, I'm decent. Um, but, but, yeah, I played, played in goal. So I after playing a few playing a few weeks um in shorts, I was just like, Do I not have a tracksuit? So I look in the closet trying to find a tracksuit. I was like, Yes, I got it. I come through with it because I'm standing in goal. I'm gonna be throwing myself across the spot, you know what I mean? If I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. And the teacher comes at me going like you can't wear that. I'm just like, why can't I? And he's like, No, you gotta wear shorts. I'm like, <laughs> Where's where's the, where's the rule for that, brother? Where's the rule for that, brother? It's not, it's, you know, it's not. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a Jordan tracksuit as we speak. I wasn't wearing that. I wasn't wearing some, you know, Adidas. I wasn't wearing some Nike. I was wearing like school issued tracksuit. I bought it from the school shop. You know what I mean? So like, get off my dick. Like, if you're gonna make me stand and go, then I'm, then I'm doing my things. Like, don't, don't worry about it. I will say a funny moment uh, during that, and I'll leave it here. Was um there was one week we were playing and there was this um I don't know how the sets were uh, di- divvied up honestly because um yeah I thought it was you know a matter of quality you know what I mean if you're like in this one you're you're good if you if you're in that one you're you know you just want it be do it for vibes um but yeah I was in the quote unquote top set but there was also this guy lanky dude right six foot six foot one already at that point something like that lanky as shit just had no control no control over his body you know just those people that were just gangly as shit and you know just a gust of wind blows him over you know what i mean just yeah. this it's yes it's he's just a stick um uh, with a mop with a mop uh, Pete, blonde hair peter crouch style literally peter crouch style i'm not even kidding so so there's this corner i'm in goal so this is corner he he's <laughs> he's enthusiastic, which I'll give him. Right, he's enthusiastic. He's like over it, over it. He's 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 a, he's a bit of a nerd, so he's like over it, over it. Cross it to me, cross it to me. Um, and uh, so it comes in, and he and he and he he, he, he he estimates immediately that it's not going to go to him. <laughs> it's going it's going more more inside the box. So he's like, oh, I never get the ball, never get a touch. So the ball ping balls around. And uh, someone tries to make a clearance, thumps it out. It thumps out into the back of this dude's head. <laughs> he cu- he goes tumbling forward and he makes this oh noise. It was just, just so hilarious to think about now. And it ricochets in goal. I can't help but laugh. Nobody else Great can help but laugh. Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's just so fluky. It was so hilarious. And everyone was just mobbing him. Because he scored, it was just—it was just hilarious. Like, so yeah, big big ups to Owen. I don't know what he's doing these days, but uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. He's in the championship. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, watch me Google it now and he's just fucking like... He's fucking, fucking playing for Millwall or something. No, yeah. Oh, gosh, that would be amazing. That kid in Millwall. No, I think he I think he does um, like Chinese business, uh, something like that. I don't know, something like that. He, d- he does foreign business these days, I think. I think. Mm. I'm taking a guess. But anyway, we shall leave it there on uh, on, on high school football. Ladies and gentlemen, fun the Fifth End Podcast Network. It's been Digging Digits. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'm Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. Call me Charlie Donnarumma. Uh, hope you all had a, have a good week. We shall always, always try and do the same. Until the next time. Take it easy. Nice and All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of video games by bonus points. As the show records, we'll be to use. Socials with Fifth Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, bonus points and chill records will be in the full show notes, as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. I'm digging in the digits.